0: Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads, blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills. We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships. I'm Megan Sundra. And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Be honest. Why did you do it? Have you done it much since, or was it just a once or twice occurrence? According to sociological research, most women have done so, and a significant portion of men have too. People typically do this for a few main reasons, but many said they no longer do so anymore. There's a longstanding gender dynamic to this experience that it's a cliche, (laughs) but despite it historic... But despite its historically patriarchal roots, faking orgasm isn't exclusive to cis hetero pairings. People of any gender or orientation can do so, and could benefit from examining why and what's going on emotionally under the surface. While there are a few exceptions where faking an orgasm is a good idea, the vast majority of the time it's a pointless performance that prevents you from experiencing real pleasure. And while an orgasm isn't the only point of sex, it's an important component for many people, along with pleasure, fun, connection, experimentation, expression, and intimacy. So let's dive into what's going on in your head during the biggest of all, feels. (laughs) Faking orgasm is, at its core, choosing sexual dissatisfaction. It's giving false information or data to your partner about how to get you off, about what works for your body. Most people want to please their partner, so in the future, your partner will do the same thing in bed again because they believe it works for you. If pleasure is what you want in that moment, and it's okay if you don't, then it's crucial to self-advocate for it. Some people fake orgasm because they don't know what actually brings them pleasure. Or maybe they've never had a partnered orgasm and don't know how to involve their partner or are afraid to ask. Some people fake orgasm because their body requires a certain type or intensity of stimulation that can't be achieved through the type of sex they're having and they're ashamed to request it. For example, some people with clitorises aren't able to achieve orgasm without a clitoral vibrator. And that's okay for their body, it's just how it works. Some people are so concerned with their partner's pleasure, leaving them with a glowing impression of your prowess, (laughs) that they they deprioritize their own. This is an ego trap, a people-pleasing behavior that seeks approval at one's own expense. Some people fake orgasm just to get bad sex quote over with. It's a way to signal to your partner, okay, I'm done now, (laughs) without being direct about it. And sure, sometimes you're tired and don't want to launch a whole conversation around an explanation or be perceived as a buzzkill. But by taking this non-confrontational or lazy way out of the experience, you omit a lot of important information from your partner that could benefit you both next time. And let's normalize changing the course of a sexual experience midway in a neutral, non-judgmental, matter-of-fact way. Stopping sex is okay for reasons other than there being an emergency, pain, revoked consent, or a serious trigger. It's okay to stop just because you're tired, distracted, stressed, or just not feeling it. Let's normalize saying things like, My body just isn't responding much tonight, so I'd like to call it a night instead of pushing it. Or, I'm not as present as I'd like to be, so let's transition to something else. Or, What we're doing isn't really doing it for me, so can we try X, Y, and Z instead? But again, when you fake orgasm because you just want the experience to stop without discussing it, it's lying to avoid your own uncomfortable feelings that will arise when being direct and addressing the issue in the moment. Even making requests feels like conflict to some people. They're afraid to rock the boat. When you're used to being passive assertiveness feels like aggression. When you're not used to getting your needs met, advocating for yourself feels selfish. By not saying, hey, can we try something else? Or hey, this isn't working for me. Here's what does feel good for me. You're avoiding, you're trying to avoid being the criticizer and making your partner feel criticized. You have a core belief that sex should be fun and good feelings and positivity only. It should happen smoothly and organically without much discussion or negotiation, like in the movies or porn. (laughs) But this doesn't leave room for addressing inevitable challenges that come up. Because if you believe you shouldn't say negative or critical things in bed, or even neutrally alter the course of activities happening, then you won't say them and won't speak up for yourself and your needs. Most people fake orgasm to spare their partner's ego. They're protecting their partner from feeling inadequate, unsatisfying, unskilled, unsexy, unworthy. But is it worth protecting your partner's ego at your own expense? Would they do the same for you? Be willing to risk, quote, ruining the moment, because if your partner is emotionally mature, they won't make a big deal about it or complain or blame you for ruining the moment. They won't let the moment be ruined. They'll roll with it they'll adjust and do what you need to feel pleasure and be a valued and equal participant in the sex. If they're a great partner, they'll be thrilled you said something because it gives them the opportunity to shine, to give to give to you because they desire to give to you, to pleasure you in an actually effective way. They'll be excited you took initiative to open up a conversation about preferences and created space where they may feel safe and free to express their own desires authentically too. For a partner to respond in these ways I'm describing requires emotional intelligence and maturity. It takes humility, flexibility, and patience at keeping one's ego in check. Because in these vulnerable and emotionally charged moments, the ego is pretty trigger happy. It wants to leap up at the slightest hint of criticism and implied inadequacy to defend them, to say, how dare you imply I'm not sexy or good enough. I'm worthy of love and adoration and praise. It's you who has the problem. It's you who is unsexy and unlikable for even bringing this up. Sure, this is an exaggerated, overcompensating, irrational response, but everyone's ego is like that. It's the jumpy, reactive, lizard brain that exists to protect us, but does so so in an oftentimes clunky, unevolved, sloppy, and misguided way. Keeping one's ego in check and not acting on its panicked reactions requires patience, practice, self-awareness, and an ability to not take things personally. People don't get that way by accident or passively. It takes intentional growth and active participation in one's own personal development journey. I imagine you're on this journey too, if you're listening to this podcast, this is a great example of the ethos of head over feels. Expressing sexual needs is a taboo, especially for women. Being forward and knowing what you like is often seen as too sexually confident or experienced. And remember, a sexually experienced woman is considered a slut, indiscriminate, easy, loose morals, hedonistic, dirty. So women have had to stifle their desires, curb their enthusiasm, and tolerate unfulfilling sex because they were afraid of coming across as slutty or demanding or selfish, thus pushing away their male partner. And part of the reason people have, and part of the reason people have sex in the first place is to feel closer with a partner, to strengthen the connection, to get closer. So doing anything that would make their partner less interested or attracted to them is counterproductive. Gendered norms and traditional scripts that minimize the role of female sexual pleasure and agency are deeply entrenched in our culture. And the only way to change that is actively and intentionally changing the script one sexual encounter at a time. Expressing your sexual needs is also a vulnerable act for most people of any gender. Making any request or suggestion that deviates from the quote, norm, runs the risk of judgment and rejection from your partner, not only interrupting the smooth and sexy flow of the experience, but also possibly affecting how they think about you and even whether or not they'd want to continue dating you. So the stakes are high. Making yourself vulnerable in this way, revealing your inner desires, makes a lot of people uncomfortable, and also because of how exposed it makes people feel. We often have sex with someone before we've created a very deep emotional and personal connection with them, so a high level of intimacy in bed just doesn't feel earned yet. It may not feel proportionate to the budding emotional connection. Asking for something outside the norm can feel embarrassing, Our society is riddled with taboos around sex that hold people back from exploring or expressing themselves authentically for fear of judgment, ridicule, rejection, and getting labeled as something negative. But by faking an orgasm and not asking your partner for what you really need can lead to resentment over time. When your partner leaves you unsatisfied, even unknowingly, it can lead to frustration and that bottled up resentment at their apparent unwillingness or inability to try but you're silently expecting them to read your mind or read your body about what you need. And according to my extensive research, no one is a mind reader, unfortunately. So you're setting your partner up to fail. You're creating a scenario in which your partner is unlikely to discover the right things to do to your body, your totally unique and nuanced and ever-changing body. No one figures it out spontaneously and without guidance from their partner. And if you've ever on the receiving end of someone telling you that what you're doing isn't working for them, learn to receive that information gracefully, even with gratitude. It's valuable information that's a gift and frees you up to discover what actually does work for them. You won't get stuck and entrenched in an ineffective and unsatisfying pattern. You won't reinforce your partner's silence to keep the peace with you. You'll show them that speaking their truth and rocking the boat is okay with you, and that you're the type of person who's willing to grow and learn. Let's normalize finding alternatives to whatever sexual activity wasn't working. If we expand our definition of sex and sexual satisfaction, we we broaden our range of possibility and increase our chances of enjoyment and satisfaction. If your partner wants to stop doing XYZ, accept their request and offer other ideas that could be sexy, fun, and pleasurable, it doesn't always mean a hard stop to everything. So it's worth asking in case there's a type of sensation or experience they're wanting more in that moment. And let's normalize finishing yourself off without disappointment, judgment, or a scarcity mindset. There's always going to be another next time, another opportunity for pleasure for you in some way in the future, whether it's with this person or not, whether through this particular sex act or otherwise. It's not the end of the world if the experience didn't go exactly as you'd hoped. It's a super valuable and attractive skill to be able to smoothly transition activities or change the direction of the sexual experience in a flexible, nonchalant, unfazed manner. It's hot. It continues the energy, even if it's a downshift. It maintains the connection and builds intimacy. I have to admit, a long time ago, early in my personal growth journey and in my journey to overcome sexual shame and learn how to speak my needs and desires, I have done something similar. Granted, I didn't perform an orgasm, I didn't completely fake it start to finish, but rather my partner misinterpreted some of the sounds I was making as having an orgasm and then stopped the sexual activity we were doing and said, oh, did you come? And I said, yeah, even though I didn't. And it was because I wasn't super enjoying it and I wasn't confident enough to ask for the things I would have enjoyed more than what we were doing in that moment. I didn't have the confidence to ask for things that I preferred and would have given me more pleasure and likely an orgasm. And It was partly because I was afraid of losing this person in my life. I was afraid of disappointing them. I was afraid that they, you know, would back off from the connection. And you know what? I realized in that moment, if someone wants to stop having sex with you because you want to make the sex better, they did you a favor by exiting your life. If you want to try new things, if you want to express yourself more authentically, if you want to mix things up and change the course of what's happening sexually between you two, and your partner is not receptive to this and doesn't handle it in a mature way, honestly, then good riddance. (laughs) If they're not willing to learn and grow, it's not your job to make them. You can only lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink, (laughs) as my future tattoo says. And so that's why communicating in that moment while it seems risky and like there's a lot to lose here what are you really losing right you're just losing a partner who didn't really care about your pleasure who wasn't willing to try who had a fragile ego and was unable and unwilling to grow and try new things and to me that's not really a loss and i think to you it might not be much of a loss either a lot of people fake pleasure too They'll just moan and uh, breathe in a certain way and express themselves in a way that expresses pleasure in a way in that it's a performance of pleasure. So faking an orgasm has a lot of parallels with faking pleasure. And you're still giving incorrect information to your partner about what gives you pleasure or an orgasm in either case. And so they're operating on this limited information that's inaccurate and they're gonna try to keep doing what they've been doing and in that moment when i lied and said i had an orgasm when i didn't and my partner was like cool and like was done with that experience and just sort of did to do moved on with his day <laughs> feeling very self-satisfied feeling very proud of himself his ego was stroked right that like ooh, i made my girlfriend come and then I was sitting there feeling sexually unsatisfied. I wasn't finished, and I wanted to be finished. I wanted to experience pleasure. I wanted him to make an effort. And I had this aha moment. I was like, fuck. I just screwed myself over. <laughs> I just sold myself short. I just agreed to not experience pleasure. I, I shot myself in the foot, sexually speaking. <laughs> and yeah, at, at its core in that moment, I chose sexual dissatisfaction. And honestly... I did project my dissatisfaction and resentment onto my partner for not getting it right, but how could I have expected him to get it right when I was essentially lying through the sounds I was making (laughs) And, and the words that I said that like, yes, I had an orgasm when that wasn't true. So my resentment was misplaced and it was in a relationship where I already didn't feel sexually confident. I didn't feel like I could express myself authentically. I didn't speak my truth. Emotionally, interpersonally, and I didn't speak my truth in bed either. The way that you show up sexually in your sexual relationship or relationships is a microcosm of how you show up elsewhere in your life. The personal inner work that you do on yourself in your sex life will ripple out into the inner work in the rest of your life. It expands, it extends to so many other aspects of your life. So it's important that you start in the bedroom metaphorically speaking because it has effects everywhere else in your life and it's a great growing point to work on that and in that moment you know I was a budding feminist I was just learning what even inner work was but I made a little promise to myself I was like never again I'm never gonna do that again why did I do that to myself (laughs) it was so inauthentic and disingenuous and um I did not benefit from it, my partner did not benefit from it, in fact we both were at a loss because of that experience, because of that lie. And so, in order to show up for myself, to advocate for my own pleasure, it took a lot of work. From that moment on, I had to learn how to communicate my desires and preferences in the moment, because otherwise I was going to find myself in the same situation, feeling inhibited, unable to express myself, and afraid to ask for what I wanted. So. I had to learn how to select for emotionally intelligent and mature partners who could handle me saying something, who could handle me speaking up for what I wanted and reacted in a mature way. And that took a lot of filtering for the right kinds of people in my life. I had to do inner work and grow as a person, learn my communication skills and learn um, self advocacy and learn sexual empowerment. So these are the things that I help people with in my coaching program, and I hope that you are on this journey too, because it can absolutely benefit you in myriad of ways. So please let me know what you think about this. And please subscribe to Head Over Feels Podcast. Leave us a five-star review and rating if possible. And if you'd like to submit your question for future episodes when I team up with Fernando to answer your letters, go to headoverfeelspod.com slash contact. You can be as anonymous as you'd like. Ask us anything. We would be excited to help you out and share with you. If you'd like to help us out, then you can find us on Patreon. Uh, For as little little as about $5 a month, you can get an additional exclusive episode through Patreon where we get a little more personal. We still answer letters, but we have a lot more, um, you know, a little more spice. (laughs) So please find us on Patreon and consider supporting us. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into this podcast, and we appreciate any way that you want to share your love can leave us a review find us on social media and jump in for the weekly memes and lots of other content that I share on social media you can find me as Megan Sundra aka Megan Sundragon my personal page and you can find us in the Rebel Hearts Facebook group and that's a private group where you can let your freak flag fly (laughs) thank you again for joining me I'm Megan Sundra and this is head over feels podcast